0: and at 8 years old, Ohio native Derek Byrd was treated for osteosarcoma, a type of bone cancer in his left tibia that required a knee replacement with 8 inches of titanium implanted into his femur. The implant replaced his shin bone until 2008 when he had his left leg amputated above the knee. A year later, Derek attended the program at Breckenridge Outdoors Education Center, a moving member organization in Colorado. He has been able to return there as an intern and snowboard instructor. So let's catch up with him and talk about the sport of para snowboarding. So Derek, I normally like to start by just asking how sports kind of has evolved in your life and has been a part of your life, maybe even from obviously early on.
1: Oh, sports was huge for me. Uh, even before I had lost my leg, I was eight years old when I had first got cancer. But before that, I had always wanted to be a professional athlete. So for me, like, that was the dream, regardless of my situation all the time. I was, you know, almost bullheaded-ish, like, <laughs> just pushing too hard to go get it. But it turned me into the person I am and, you know, everything I've done today. So yeah, sports are, I mean, my up there, my top five motivations, I would say for sure.
0: And did you want to just be a professional athlete in anything and everything? Or did you have,
1: like, a particular uh, sport in mind? Oh, I wanted to be a Cleveland Brown. Like, that was the dream. I wanted to be on the Browns. <laughs> Uh, Being from Ohio, that's just, you know, our bread and butter is watching them lose every Sunday. So, you know, (laughs) I wanted to be on that team.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, So where'd so where'd you
1: grow up? So I grew up in Champaign County, Ohio. It's like the most northern point of Appalachia, is what I said. It's everyone down there is a little bit more, you know, country and you know down home, but it's it's the best place to grow up, in my opinion. It couldn't be a more comfortable place to grow up. Everyone was super cool. And after I mean my cancer and my amputation, everyone was very supportive. They pushed me to do everything. No one ever said no whenever I, I wanted to walk on a corridor field. So it was all good. It was awesome growing up there.
0: That's good. Yeah, I asked because my mom now lives in Ohio. I grew up actually on the, on the other side of the Ohio river in West Virginia, but oh, you know, nice. <laughs> be, being in a small town in West Virginia, obviously we made trips to like Columbus and Cincinnati and Cleveland, you know, any, any big town for either sports or, uh, you know, culture or concerts or stuff like that. So, <laughs> right, <laughs> and so, um, you obviously, uh, were you playing football? You know, either out, like peewee football or any other kind of organized football?
1: I don't think I got a year of football in like, I think I got a year of flag football, like under Mm -hmm. my belt. And then like, that's when I found out that I had cancer. So devastated. But at the same time, you know, I had a lot of people around me that were supportive and football players. So I got to be, you know, in the sports or, you know, a team manager, like my brother, I have an identical twin, I got to be a part of that team. And my uncles were all, you know, high school football players. So I got to be around that all the time. So I didn't really get to miss out on too much, just playing, really. <laughs> but, you know, I got to be involved and see everybody. And as I think watching actually made me the athlete I am today. I got to be a very high IQ athlete before I even stepped on the field. I knew how to play every position just from watching for so long.
0: Yeah, there are advin- advin- uh, advantages to being a spectator. You really can pick up on some of the nuances of of sport and, you know, plays and strategy and all kinds of other things. <laughs> right. <laughs> And and so, you, as you mentioned, you were diagnosed with bone cancer. and You said you were eight years old.
1: Yes, sir. Yeah, I was eight when I got diagnosed with osteosarcoma, and then uh, that was. I had nine months of uh, chemotherapy. I had a ton of surgeries, but at the end of the day, I ended up with a internal prosthetic. So my knee was replaced. I had a tibia implant. My femur had a like I guess it was like a joint holding the whole thing. It had like eight inches of titanium jammed into the femur, and then uh, that whole situation was like hip to ankle. And then a month after I got out of chemotherapy, I snapped my femur in half. So I went <laughs> all the way metal, so I had a plate on my femur. but And then it was just low mobility. That was the main issue really was with it. Like I was in remission. I was 100% clear in that aspect. But I was dragging around you know, this leg, and it was just an issue. And I I had that for four years before I eventually had damaged it to the point that it was, it was irreparable. So uh, they went ahead and uh, tried a Van rotation plasty. And uh, that was—it's a at the time was it—it's kind of experimental surgery. Like uh, they amputated my foot, cut my knee, turned the foot backwards, and then that was supposed to act like a like a below knee joint. And uh, that didn't really work out for me. And uh, I think it was like a two and a half weeks in the hospital, and then it was an amputation after that. But I mean. I was probably in the hospital for six days. Had like found some crutches and walked my way out of there. I was like, "All right, I'm good to go. Nobody can tell me no no more." And they're like, "Yeah." And I'm like, "All right, I'm out." <laughs> so we got out of there. And I think that was in June. Uh, by October, I was running. So like I, I was just ready to go. You know, by the time I got it, you know, amputated, I was just you know I I knew the capability that was ahead of me if I worked hard enough. So it was it was kind of motivating in a way. Yeah, and that's
0: that's what I have. Uh, you know, in my interactions and, and interviews with other folks that were in a similar situation, um, you know, the the limb salvage, if you will, was dragging uh, and and um, kind of hindering the full quality of life. And then once ultimately the the decision was made to amputate, quality of life improved and 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 be able to get back to you know basically doing what you want to do and whatever you want to do,
1: <laughs> right. Like, it's no quick fix. You still have to put in the work, but, like, mm-hmm. it's so nice to see the – like, cap- Like you have this, you know, open window of ability because you see everybody doing things. Like, for me, I, I it was the first time I got to see anybody in my realm of capability actually – pushing the, you know, the ceiling and trying to make everything more competitive. And that was great for me. It gave me life, you know, especially having a twin brother, being able to bring him into everything and be competitive. It, it gave me the, you know, I guess you would say like wherewithal to keep doing it because I wanted to beat him all the time, you know, <laughs>
0: <laughs> good old brotherly love, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> or brotherly competition, either way, either one's good or the same thing sometimes. <laughs> right. And so you said you were running just, just months afterwards, um, mm-hmm. Uh, Were you like? Did you know what you wanted to do sports wise? You know, uh, then and and did you uh, or did you kind of explore and look at various options?
1: The the first thing I did was track, but that's like great practice. You know, it's transferable skills. I -hmm. wanted to play football. That was my biggest thing. I went and played. A year of football, my freshman year, and just like it was hard on my body. Like I wasn't my quality of life went down <laughs> playing football, but it was the one of the greatest experiences of my life. I got to do the thing I'd wanted to do my entire life. Once I was eight years old, the idea of high school football went out the way. You know, it just wasn't there anymore. But the dream never went away. It's hard to extinguish that. So by that point, I did what I wanted to do when I had a good year. After that, I played soccer, I played baseball, I played basketball. I did everything I could get my hands on, just to, kind of explore my ability I, had, I hadn't had it in so long i wanted to see where i stood with everybody else and then i ended up going to college and playing sports with everybody on the intermural teams and just always held my own that was my, my kind of my pride like what i pride myself on was always being able to, to compete and hold myself like you still have to worry about me on the field that was kind of what i wanted to do that <laughs> i imagine proved probably a lot of people wrong right Oh, yeah. That, and that too. Like, I even had coaches talking crap to me from a dugout in high school. Like, they're like, yeah, yeah, he's going to take it. I'm like, oh, what? You're a grown man. So, <laughs> like, go up, hit a dinger, you know, <laughs> and go, go on with my day. But I think at that but it's, every day, it's just something to, you know, it's fuel to make you keep going. So, every time somebody's, like, hates on you or tells you you can't do something, you're like, well, that's just more juice to make me more determined to do that thing. So, I know. I I think the only thing nowadays I would say that like still gives me an issue with skateboarding. I mean, oh my goodness! I, the the only time I've ever been like, man, I wish I had two legs, or like a good long staircase. You know, <laughs> that's just exhausting. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I don't think they've quite mastered, uh, you know, the right socket or something for skateboarding. Because I was just talking to Noah Elliott yeah. uh, mm-hmm. about skateboarding, and and that I mean, we had that whole conversation about mm-hmm. you know he can do it, but it's you know. Darn difficult, and uh, and so it's just not you know they haven't quite figured out how to master the the technology. But I I, I don't right. know I don't think it's a matter of uh, it's not a matter of 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 if, but just a matter of when.
1: I tell everybody that like these prosthetics are great at everything except for walking. Like <laughs> like you can do anything except walk <laughs> walk example.
0: <laughs> and you would think that's the one thing that
1: would be right, right? Right. I think all the research and development goes into that thing. It's like, no, I can do a standing back tuck, but walking a mile. Oh my God.
0: (laughs) Uh (laughs) (laughs) And when, when did you kind of discover uh, winter sports?
1: Uh, So like, um, it was kind of like around the time I had got my amputation that like I had kind of seen, uh, my hematologist oncologist, people like my cancer doctors at the time, Uh, long-term follow-up had been like, what kept you going? Like, why do you have such a good attitude? You've been through the ringer. What keeps you smiling, man? And I'm like, because I have always had the idea I could compete. That, That was for me, that I just wanted to be, have some worth, bring something into this world that was awesome. And for me, athletes did that. They made me They felt like superheroes to me growing up. So I was like, oh, I want to do that. That's what I want to do, put smiles on people's faces and stuff. So for me, that's what kept me going. Every time I could do a backflip or do a trick or catch a ball and it was cool, I was like, all right, that's awesome. That's proven to people like me that if you put in the work, we can get out here and do that. So that's why I was doing it. Even from being a kid, I just knew that. If nobody else was doing it, I'm going to do it. Like, I I want to be the person that is at least pushing the ceiling for us and re- pushing technology. Because if nobody can prove that you can do it, then they don't develop that for you. So I think I, I just want to help the cause of, you know, us getting better and better as athletes collectively.
0: Yeah, but I know in Ohio, there's not a lot of big, like, winter, uh, you know, winter's <laughs> so, like hey, Matt uh,
1: River's out there. You know, shout out Matt River. That's where I learned how to snowboard. <laughs> Our little... 32nd hill but it's hard you know it's hard ice and when you learn there it teaches you good technique so when you come out here you're spoiled you know like it's just too easy (laughs) but it it is it's a whole different type of riding and I I think it being punishing was kind of one of those things that made me want it even more you know like watch also (laughs) watching my brother just like be awesome (laughs) for like the first three years of his ride I'm like oh that's awesome I'll be like that (laughs) you know I was in awe of him so it was cool to have all these different inspirations from you know, my brother, and seeing other riders coming around, and like the skiers were incredible. The if you see some of the AK skiers that are out nowadays, they're just they're insane. So even I was like, I want to be like that. I want to be like that on a snowboard, and like you know, want people to inspire people to get on the board. And so like, even from that, that's that's what really pushed me. Was I was really lonely at the time doing all those things by myself. I wanted to have friends. I wanted to see people out here too. And like that was through our program at the hospital at Children's in Columbus. We got a group of people together and they started coming out here every winter. And, uh, that was kind of like the start of like me learning the, the really know how to snowboard was coming out to the BOEC, the Breckenridge Outdoor Education Center. Uh And, uh, they, they really, I mean, they gave me everything. There's a guy over here, Neil, Neil Rubenstein, the guy is the greatest snowboard instructor on the planet. Like they, when I first went there, like, we don't know how to teach above knee snowboarders. It's just not something we do. And this guy was like, I'll do, I'll take him out. And, lo and behold you know like here we are to it today so and I, I ended up becoming an instructor for that program and like I give it you know to all those people that put the work into me for what 14 years 15 years and I mean I, they made me who I am as a writer I am and I was certified and that was something I was super proud of was just get my little little my level one because I, I was one of the first AKs in my experience to go out there and try and get it and, I think that was awesome. It was cool to be able to be like, all right, we we can do this. This is something we can do. I can go teach, adaptive, not just be a part of it. And yeah, that was absolutely. that was huge for me.
0: Yeah, no, it's a good point that you mentioned, like the 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 mountains and like what I call you know, uh, mid-Atlantic area and the, in the parts of the Midwest because it is just kind of you're skiing or snowboarding on 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 a bed of ice or <laughs> essentially. And so, <laughs> if you can learn there, then powder is. You know, a dream, right?
1: <laughs> oh yeah, man. We if you learn how to stop out there, we consider you good. We're like, oh man, you didn't hit nobody. That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs>
0: and, and so, um, you know, what is kind of that? As you mentioned, you you got your level one certification, which is awesome. Uh, and we need more uh, adaptive athletes becoming, you know, certified in the space, uh, which is Absolutely. really cool. And, um, and so what made you want to get the certification to begin with?
1: Uh, I think snowboarding was the hardest sport I had ever done. So like, like as a natural athlete, it was nice to be humbled by something and be like, Oh man, I got to put in the work to get good at this. You know, like like my twin was old. He was a great skier. And when we started snowboarding became a great snowboarder and it was, it was cool to see somebody with my anatomy, go out and crush it. Cause I'm like. If I can take that, I can watch that and apply it to this. It's not going to be the same, but I can imitate that motion, then I can get there. I know I can get there. Mm-hmm. And like, I mean, like now when I ride, that's all I think about is those early days of riding of like sitting on those on literally sitting on the bunny hill as a teenager, watching my brother like, like go get on a lift to go hit the like the very top of the mountain, 12,000 feet. I'm like, man, that's what I want. Like I want to go see what that's like. I've never seen what that's like ever. It took me three years of coming out here. And then when I finally got to go, he was there with me, and I'm like – it was just – you know, for me, it was emotional because I'm like, man, I've worked so hard, and this is all I've ever wanted, and it's totally worth it. (laughs) And now it's like – they're like, oh, there's much more than this. You think you're good now? That 55-year-old man is still working on S-turns, and I'm like, oh, wow, okay. Well, that's the dedication a guy who just loves it is putting into it. I want to see what I can do putting into it professionally. And I guess teaching was for me, like the first stepping stone of like, if you think you're good at something, you can teach it to somebody else. That's just, you know, one of those things I'd always heard. So that was the first, I threw myself into that. I was like, this is, I want to learn it from the ground up all over again. What is the professional way of doing this? And it honestly, it was one of the greatest experiences I've ever done. Like that internship, I, I met great people, inspirational people, people in situations that like, Honestly, made me rethink about my quality of life and how I approach every day. And I was like, meeting like there was a lady. Uh, she was an Olympian. She was like the Michael Phelps of women swimming. I, her name is I think it's Amy, but I her name isn't coming to me. But she was in, she was in a um, an ATV accident, if I can recall. And she came out and she was a sit skier. And the the joy she had going from being one of the top athletes on the planet coming down to this. And still putting all the dedication and work, I think, into something new. Like, after years and years and years of work, it was just awesome. Like, to me, it was like, oh, wow. Like, even her, like, past her prime athletically in swimming, is putting all this effort into something because she, like, she just wants to be the best version of herself. She's not competing in anything. She just wants to be the best version of her. And I'm like, that attitude is what took her to the level that she was at swimming. And if if I can do that and not worry about what everybody else thinks and I put so much pressure on myself all the time, just every day, try to be incrementally better then I can be the best, you know, like that, that's just where I want to be. Like if I can be one day and win a medal and, you know, do that for my family and my town and everything like that, that would be amazing. But for me, it's like, if I can go home every single day being like, well, I worked the hardest, like I, I went out there and I sweated and I put everything I had into it. And for that, that, I can go home happy. And like, actually just going to these little races out here last winter taught me that because it, it wasn't. So I was putting too much pressure on myself for something that wasn't serious and coming home after like multiple times, like I traveled out to Vermont and there was just this epiphany moment of where I was sitting on the Hill and I was like, I've worked hard. I put in the work for this. I don't have to, you know, kill myself when I'm at the day of the race. That's for practice. I can kill myself. and be hard on That's myself. Right. Then now I know I put in the work and I put it, went out and put out one of my best times just being happy. And I was like, Oh, my gosh, I just figured out, like, you know, a little tiny incremental thing that's going to help me be better in this thing. And I'm like, oh my God. Now if I just take the time, put in the work, do the routine, move back out to Colorado, then I'm going to be in a position to be one of the best just because i I know I've put in the work, you know? And like just having that, like, I'm confident. i'm I'm confident where I'm at as a writer and as a person. And I know that, you know, this is my time. I think the next four years and coming into twenty twenty six, like I, I think I'm really going to do something special in this event and border cross and giant slalom.
0: That's that's awesome, and and I, I know that you uh came out to ski spec last year, right? hmm. And and was that was that your first ski
1: spectacular? Actually, my first one was teaching in twenty nineteen. Oh. And I, so I didn't know how serious racing was at the time. I'd never been introduced to it and like seeing the race team. It was like, like, remember in uh, cool runnings when like the Jamaicans see the Swiss and they're like, just, just like so professional and cool. You're like oh. <laughs> That's how I felt like this is the coolest thing I've ever seen. I want to be on that race team so bad. Like, <laughs> like it was, it was so cool. And uh, one of the co- uh, coaches kept, uh, he came over to me and he was like, Hey, uh, you should be here. Why are you not here with us? And I was like, uh-huh. Oh, I don't know. I, you know, didn't know the thing. And he was like, Well, you know, if I see you here again, you're gonna be riding with us. And I ran into the guy who built the leg I'm wearing right now, Brian. And he didn't know I was an amputee. I was out riding, teaching. And he was like, Holy crap, you're an AK? I was like, Yeah. He's like, I'm gonna get you a leg. And I, at the time, I was on a broken microprocessor. He like literally, he was like, You're gonna die if you keep doing <laughs> so
0: that. we don't want the, We don't want that, Derek. We don't want that.
1: <laughs> right. so i go home for that summer and i get a leg in the mail it's a whole leg and just instructions and i'm like well yes i'm figuring this out and uh yeah i took it out for the, the this season for the first time snowboarding I, I got in a little accident in 2019 i hurt my neck but so I, this was after the pandemic and everything kind of perfect timing great re- great recovery <laughs> but uh came back here and stood up on snow and i mean everything came back it was the first time i had a snowboarding leg and it it was like I had opened a new part of my brain. Like it, it was honestly, it was a quite an emotional experience because it's all this control and response that I've wanted for 10 plus years, just mm. kind of given back to me in the knee. Like, and then later that year, I, I got a uh, move United. Actually, I got a gifted an ankle <laughs> and mm-hmm. uh, same thing. I, I missed the group photo for the, <laughs> cause I was so <laughs> excited. I took off, ran up the mountain, ran it down the hill and i i i could not have been happier like with the angle and the knee working in conjunction it was one of the greatest experiences like just going again every time after that i had learned a little bit more about riding that you know it was like i was going back to the beginning all over again i was like all right cool i'm gonna go back and practice my turns again now i'm gonna go into my carves and do all this stuff and like i could feel myself kind of getting to understand it a little bit more every time and i was like this is going to be awesome. Like, like once I get consistent, once I'm out here, this is going to be amazing. So yeah, thank you guys. That was pretty cool.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And, and so what was that first race camp experience like last year?
1: Oh, it was incredible. Uh, so from the outside looking in, all I could see was people having a good time and I was like, man, is it really that fun? They, I mean, they all look super great going in, I was like, this is, I made some, I made one of my best friends on the planet right now be going there. Like I got competition I had never had in my entire life, just in my category of riding, like just meeting these people. And it made me motivated because seeing the work they put in, I was like, this is awesome. It's finally like a community that I've been looking for is, you know, people who, despite their situation are pushing themselves to be not only like a good person, but a great athlete. And like, to me, like, that's going to catch on. Like once we get more people into this, it's going to be unstoppable. It, it really is. I I think I, the snowboarding has got a huge future and like biking has got, I think biking is huge. That cycling is going to be awesome. Archery has already taken off in its category. Like I'm so excited for the future of the Paralympic, especially with the exposure that like these people are getting nowadays, especially like Noah himself, like that dude shreds like everything he does. It like makes me want to go out and ride. Like, I'm like, Oh my God, like <laughs> that's so cool. Like. <laughs> So it's just nice to have people around that not they don't question your ability. They all they do is push you to work harder, and right, it's,
0: right. it's so
1: awesome.
0: And so, having one uh, ski spec under your belt, I know you're uh, planning to come back out again in December, and and so, what um, what are your kind of maybe new goals or objectives by coming out?
1: Uh, I think this time I just want to kind of soak in as much information as i can last time i think like i said i was putting a lot of pressure on myself to perform as like a like a racer this time i just want to be a good snowboarder i think that kind of translates into being like a good race performance is just going out and trying to soaking up just watching even the good riders that are around you just seeing how they approach everything on the hill it makes you a better rider I, i just want to be more like observational and just you know I take in a lot of information, just listen, because there's people that have been riding on the pair. Like you got Mike Miner out there and Mike Schultz and like uh, Mike Spivey, who's out there. Like those people have been, you know, riding within the Paralympics for years. So that experience is just worth, it's priceless. So to me, I I just want to go out there and get as much information from those guys as I can.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, so what are, uh, you kind of maybe alluded to it a little bit. What are you, what are your um, goals or, or your, you know, what are the things that you're kind of hoping to hoping to do maybe leading up to 2026?
1: Oh, man. Uh, this year I want to get really integrated into the race scene. Like I've never been a part of it, so I'm kind of new. I want to do the local scene, get everything, just see everything out here in Colorado and Utah and like Washington, just kind of travel around and uh, just get used to like, be, like the traveling and the cost. You know, there's, there's a lot of cost that goes into this. So kind of getting used to that is my first, you know, little bit of business here. And getting on the world uh, circuit, that's like a big goal for right now because I can't get on the Paralympic team unless I do that. So that right now, that's the huge thing is just getting on the national team, representing myself. And like, I think, you know, I think I have the ability. It's really just being consistent. thats I think that's what I'm going to work on this year is being consistent and uh, going to those races and not pushing myself to get gold every time, but just get a podium. You know, just do go out there and get a good performance out. And uh, that's kind of what I want to do this year.
0: And as a, just as an individual athlete, do you think that you have to work on, you know, speed more or, or control more or, you know, turns? What are the technical things that you need? You, you personally need to need to work on.
1: Uh, definitely control. I think I got speed down pretty fast. <laughs> <The> problem, <laughs> problem is entering corners a little fast. I think my that's my thing is I'll, i end up checking my speed in a inappropriate time and, uh, that that for me has killed runs where I I've I've been doing really really good and it's like the last gate and I'll check a turn and I'll kill myself in mm-hmm. a flat. And I'm like, well, that's three seconds I could have got back and that means a lot. Or you know, so it I think a, the main thing right now is when we get a course given to us and stuff like that, going up and practicing it, going and studying it, and making sure I can see those turns in my head. That way I'm not thinking too much and I'm not worried about my speed entering things. I'm just kind of flow in that flow state going through the course.
0: Yeah. That's a good point. And have you been classified yet, or is that something else you still gotta gotta uh, accomplish?
1: That's gotta happen here soon. i've I've got the I'm getting the funds together right now. I just did all my uh, background check and all this stuff for the u s. team, all that little all paperwork. So once we get all that clear, and then I think qualification is coming up soon, I think land graph is happening uh, here at the end of the month or sometime. yeah, so I was gonna try and swing into that if I can get going. But, yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm I'm pretty excited. I'll I'll figure it out, but <laughs> I'm, being in Colorado is a good spot. I'm pretty, like, especially yeah. within the nation, I can kind of jump to wherever I need to go to get it settled. So I'll figure it out, and uh, hopefully this year I can get three podiums. That's the goal. Three podiums, and yeah. then, you
0: know. <laughs> a, a very achievable goal, right? So, I mean, it's not, you know, it's not ten. It's not, you know, it's not tons. Three's very, very doable. So, yeah, and classification is such a big, you know, hit. Uh, barrier, you know, to be able to actually be, you know, compete, particularly on the international level, you know, it's just, mm-hmm. it's sometimes tough to get, you know, to get that classification if, and when it's offered right. and all that good stuff. So I know that that'll be a big mm-hmm. hurdle that you'll be able to check off once you once you do that.
1: Oh yeah. And then, well, the big thing is the, like sponsorship now, like, you know, like mm-hmm. I haven't raced yet in the circuit, so it's hard to get people to be like, Hey, you know, believe in me. You know, I don't have the proof yet, but believe in me. So I think like yeah. I'm going to go out, get like one podium. And then I feel like that will really kind of push the notion for people to kind of like support me as a rider that know I'll have the talent and the wherewithal to do it. So that's kind of what I'm working on right now is uh like if I can just stay consistent enough to get this like my first podium. That's all I'm focused on right now. And then I can get people to kind of help me fund it. You know, I think after that, it'll be easy to represent myself a little bit more. Yeah.
0: And where's the role of coaching fit into the mix? You know, do you are you have a, have coaching or access to coaching?
1: Right now, I'm just training with a buddy. Uh, he coaches uh, adaptive riding. I was a good coach myself. So a lot of the time we just film my, like film me. We go out and check it out. Right mm-hmm. now with uh, not a lot of snow, out, I've just been working out. Like I've been put on 20 pounds this year. <laughs> Every house is pretty big in the border cross section. So i <laughs> trying yeah. to catch up with those guys. So. I've been putting on weight and just training and keeping fit. A lot of the big things is flexibility, just making sure I can stay healthy through the season, especially just having the one ankle and knee. You want to just be able to go in the season and make it the distance. You know, I don't want to go out and blow my knee out two months in, pushing it too hard. So like right now, it's just kind of preparation for the season.
0: Yeah. And that's a very good, good point, Derek. I know when you mentioned like, you know, when you talk about, you know, Monster Mike, Schultz, and and Evan Strong. Those are you know some 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 bigger guys, right? So, right. <laughs> and outside of sport, what are some other things that are occupying your time?
1: Uh, since I've been in Colorado, a lot of fishing. It's been good trout fishing up here. Uh, I'm in South Park County now, so okay. it's uh, pretty nice up here. And then uh, just kind of like, it, I think a lot of the time I've just been working out in the basement because the gym has been. It's a lot of distraction, and I think a lot of the time I've been trying to focus really on me. So we have a nice little home gym set up here. So I'll throw on a podcast or some music, and I'll be down there a lot. And i, I just kind of like really buckling down. I, that, that's it. I've been trying to get serious about it. That, that's what I've been doing. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, that's awesome. Is there anything else that I've not asked you about that you want to share? Uh, no, I, I don't know. I think we covered it, man. You do a great job interviewing. How about that? <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> Well, I look forward to to seeing you and and meeting you you know in person and in Breck um you know in a short time, not too far away.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I can't wait, man. I'm so excited to go back just just for like the celebration that ski spec seems to be. You know, it's just so fun to see everybody. Like, it it really is to catch up and see everybody's improvement. So, I, I'm just excited. <laughs> it's gonna be great.